Hey folks, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Music Cast podcast. Uh, my apologies, this one is a day or so late. We are very fortunate at our high school that we are able to do a musical still um, with all the circumstances going on, and I think we're a little out of practice staying late and taking care of those things. So Tuesday night is editing night, and it came and went, and it was a little exhausting, so we just kind of held this one off a little bit. But this one is a summary conversation between Marissa, Maggie, and I, and we got a chance to sit and talk about music in our school month um, kind of did like a dual conversation the first part of it was talking about what we thought music where music was at in schools right now and where we could see it going or where maybe it needs to go in our opinions and then we also dovetailed different conversations that we had with guests over the course of the month so it was a really nice month for reflection talking about where we'd like to see things go or where we maybe see trends moving um, and it was nice just to catch up the three of us so We hope you enjoy this one. Hope you get some reflection time as well. Um, We're heading into spring break, so we're not going to have an episode next Wednesday, but after break, we're going to come back with plenty of jazz content for Jazz Appreciation Month. So if you're on break this week, enjoy, uh, be well, and we will catch you in a couple weeks. Thanks very much. All right, so I don't, hopefully this will be able to become an episode, but um, I think the hope is that this is like, we round out music in our schools with, I guess, this kind of conversation. And my question that I keep having, I feel like I'm coming to a conclusion after talking to a bunch of people, but what I want to think about before that is I wanted to ask you two, what you think right now music education is in like the general education system okay it's a loaded so, question because your school's different than our school and everything like that but like what what role is music filling in school right now we were like making fun of you earlier kevin for like asking these big philosophical questions and you literally just asked like the question that i like jokingly said you would ask like what is the meaning of life and how does music <laughs> well play i couldn't into that? <laughs> i couldn't give grief right now because that's that that's one half of what I was going to ask you guys. So I thought I'll just bite my tongue and say, how does she know? And then I'll leave it alone until we're done <laughs> recording that other episode. So, okay. So your question is. I feel like we've spent music in our schools month talking to these people who are trying different things and innovative things because it's so refreshing to see what they're doing. But the other reason we're talking to them is because what they're doing is not the norm. So the question is what what is the norm or what is like, what is music valued at in education right now? Or what do you think it is? Cause we're, we're obviously, we're making some assumptions and broad generalizations based on what we're seeing. I think it's, uh, I think there's a lot of like parroting happening. Like the, the ideal music program is when kids can do what they're told. They can read the music. They can play this passage the way that they're supposed to. Um, And I don't know. I keep coming back to this idea. I don't remember who we were talking about it with, but like this system worked for us. Like all the music teachers in school systems went through the system and it worked for them. And so they're kind of teaching this. We're kind of teaching the same way. Like even our innovative ideas are those are great, but like the basis of what we're doing is still putting on these orchestra concerts or teaching, I don't know, like Western classical 
music is sort of at the, at the heart of what we're, we're doing still. Um, and I feel like that's still driving our school programs. I, so we're talking this year in terms of like what we're experiencing with COVID, right? I, to be honest, I think I'm kind of of the mindset that in most cases, um, the COVID teaching circumstances have not necessarily developed new issues or challenges, and it's more just brought to light things that were there maybe faster than we would have realized. So if if there's things that are specifically about COVID year, then yeah, definitely. But I think that like the issues that Maggie brings up or issues or not issues, depending on how you want to think about it, I think they were there to begin with. But I think that suddenly when you don't have the social aspect of it, they become much more apparent. Yeah, I was not thinking like COVID specific. I was just thinking like music education in general and what the okay. what it's like. I so I was thinking more COVID specifically, like this year our classes to me feel like they're being treated like recess. Like take care of your core classes. And again, this is from a high school level. And then like you can go get a break in band. And I know from our point of view, we've been trying to be really understanding with the kids and like we don't want to stress them out over our classes but I feel like compared to the other classes that's kind of how it's being perceived or treated Um, and maybe that is just an exacerbate nope version of (laughs) helping Kevin Um, exacerbation yes of what it is on a normal year but I don't think I've ever felt it quite as much as I've felt this year. So, okay. I always feel like we are like a break for the kids. Like they have their academics and then they have us as a break. Do you guys not feel that at the high school level? I think I definitely do, but I feel like at least the last few years um, in, in my current school district, I felt like we were on an upwards trajectory. I can't talk. Wow. Trajectory. (laughs) Um, where like we created an honors class and so we got honors credit for band and orchestra and choir and like there was some value being placed on it and um, it felt like we were going in the right direction basically and then this year just due to the circumstances it feels like really you're going to make me do this for orchestra like we have so many other things going on and we have this paper and that test and blah, 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 blah. And you're going to make me do this for orchestra. Like. So I do agree with, I agree with what Maggie said, and I agree with what both of you said, but I think to Maggie's point, I feel like we were always kind of the, and in a positive way, I love like the first days of school when the kids go through, they do all their stuff. And then the last period of the day is my honors ensemble and they come in so happy because they feel like they're in a safe space, uh, safe space, karma. Um, so it's great to be able to have that with them. And I think the thing that was always the benefit is it felt like a little bit of a release for them because they feel more comfortable, but then always we were preparing and we were making something. And I feel like now to Marissa's point, now that we're in this like COVID era of things happening and we lost concerts for as long as we did, um, that, that release of stress to make something is now just the expectation of a release of stress. And then there's not anything we're making it towards. So they're like struggling to find the value in what they're doing or why they're doing it. So, I mean, I've got a problem with that, like in a lot of ways. However, I don't think as a high schooler, I felt the same way as I do now. 
as a high schooler. I was definitely performance driven. There was a part of me um, until I like injured my shoulder that like wanted to go into performance. I wanted to live that kind of high strung professional orchestral musician life. Um, And I think the more that I interact with students and my colleagues, like one of the things that have always bothered me is music advocacy. And we come at it from a standpoint of like, well, it helps math scores or it helps SAT scores or whatever. It makes kids smarter. And from the get-go, like from the point where we started talking about advocacy, like in our college education courses, that's bothered me because I think we should be allowed to appreciate music for music because actually Maggie, you just mentioned it. It helps us understand what it means to be human. So I talk about this with my kids all the time and um, you can read about it actually in like a little bit in the creative string orchestra, but I have a conversation with my kids. I try to do it at least once a year where I ask them what they want to be when they grow up. And it's always engineers, doctors, um, you know, whatever, like, and it tends to be these like super useful things. And, you know, we talk about it and basically it's, why do you want to do this? And it's always to make life more productive, to make harder things easier, you know, blah, blah, blah. So that we can get to, to more free time, to do the hobbies that we like, play sports, go outside, um, play an instrument, go to concerts, um, basically be entertained or be relaxed in some way. And we do all of those things because they make us feel an emotion, right? So it's that competitive drive for sports, or if you're like just doing a puzzle, you're just relaxing, you're unwinding. If you're playing an instrument, hopefully it excites or listening to music, it excites some kind of emotion in you. And like, that's what it means to be human. So at the end of the day, like we can do all of these processes or like we can be a doctor and save lives or be an engineer to make these processes faster or better or whatever, but it's all to get to the leisurely part of our lives where we're interacting with things like music and we do that because we're human, right? So the fact that we're teaching kids to only value it for a product, I think is really so dangerous. And that's why this year I think has been enlightening in a lot of ways, but I don't know because we as teachers are so overwhelmed with what's going on. I don't know if any of us have stepped back, including myself to see that. So go ahead, Max. Sorry. Well, I was going to ask earlier if you felt like the kids appreciated not having concerts because it means that we can focus less on the product side of things and focus more on the relational. But it sounds like from what you've said that that's not true. And they sort of feel like, then what's the point, which is really sad because it means that we've taught them that the point is the concert, like the point is the product. But I was thinking about, um, I read this somewhere like during COVID it's science that got us, that's going to get us out of COVID, but it's arts that's going to get us through it. And I just felt like that was a really powerful, like it was really powerful when I read it and it lines up with what you were just talking about, Marissa, that like, yeah, those things are all important, but what gives our life meaning is, is the art in the world and like the beauty in the world. And if we can't enjoy that for what it is, then what's the point? Like if we're just doing music because it makes us a better scientist, then like, we're not really enjoying music for what it is. And I don't know how we get to that point with our students to help them 
like to help them focus less on the product. But I think we're focusing so much on the product in the education world that like the students are picking up on that too. So I don't know, I don't know how to fix that, but. So, and to both of those points, and there's obviously, there's a lot here that could absolutely become more than just like a half hour conversation to Marissa's point. I do. And we're, we're very lucky in terms of, I think we have good relationships with our students in terms of, I think that, I would say to answer uh, Maggie's question, I think that they miss the concerts and they love those performance elements of it, but I don't think that it has defined their enjoyment of our classes in any way, shape or form. Like I think they enjoy being there. I think on a larger education side of things, I think my fear in it is they lost as much as they did in the value of music because they don't have the concerts from a public perception. There's no concerts. So there's this like, I forget where it was somewhere in Europe where they, was it someone in Italy? It was the whole conversation we had at the beginning of the year, Marissa, where someone said like anyone that has an arts degree should go back and yeah learn some other trade. Like the fact that since we don't have these products, people are saying turn the different direction. And then my fear in it is that teachers, music teachers have become so comfortable in having that product that they now for better or for worse, don't know how to change it. So the second part of the question that I was going to ask you, and this is kind of like the dovetail is where do you think it needs to go? And this might not even be a music education question. This might be an education question in general, because I think Maggie hit the nail on the head in terms of arts will get us out of it and teach us how to be human. And we have these conversations about like what a 21st century learner is or what the portrait of a graduate is. And all of these things have to do with initiative and collaboration, but we have these conversations, but we refuse, at least from what I've seen and observed, we don't have them away from the traditional product-based or test-based things. Like we're still looking for ways to test it, whether it be with a standardized test or anything like that. So we we have benefited from the system that we're in and we benefited from the system because I chose to play clarinet and saxophone and you chose um, to focus on strings and Maggie, you were singing in choir and piano. No, I was playing the piano. Typing. (laughs) Piano. A really good Uh, pianist. I was trying to help um, you out there to be like, this is my instrument. I was, I was going too fast. It was my fault. I feel you like imagine... you were going to be like, you like played maracas? I don't know. <laughs> you imagine Maggie and Krista in the same room, like vastly different personalities. <laughs> yeah, not a vocalist. Um, we benefit from the product of that element. But then when you look at the percentage of kids that we teach that will actually go into music, we don't so many kids that'll go into music production or music composition or things, they don't even come across our radar until maybe their senior year because we have no offerings to them. But still, when you get a degree, and again, it's part of it, you learn how to play all of the string instruments and all the wind instruments and all these kind of things. But but we just assume that the other stuff is still elective and it just happens. And that's the part that's going to appeal to, it's the part that's going to appeal and the part that's most necessary and missing, I think. I Okay. I feel like we need to have offerings for for all students, which is really hard to do um for many reasons. Kevin and I have been sitting and scheduling meetings for weeks now and we're learning why it's so hard to reach so many kids because things like high school schedules are not magic. 
but I think music education has to go the route of appealing to more kids because we, for the reasons that you just stated, we don't appeal to the masses. So like we have a student, he, he said to me the other day, he's like, the more time I can get to practice, the better. He's like, all I want to be doing all day long is practicing the drums. And he's this amazing jazz kit player and he's going to go off. He's going to be famous someday, but he's one of our 400 piece music program. And like that's very niche for a kid 18 years old to just want to sit in a practice room and and play their instrument all day but I think we have a system set up right now that doesn't really allow for that so things like being creative or creating music and like that's so taboo in what we do that we have to start moving that way in education otherwise we're going to be in a world of hurt really soon I, I feel like in all the conversations that we've had over the course of the month with different people, I feel like all I keep, I feel like it's so easy to see all the things we're doing wrong right now in terms of the gaps in what we, in what we teach or what we offer. And it, as much as, like you said, all of the advocacy things and all of the retention things that we learn when we're in school and granted, I got out of college a decade ago, so they could have changed. And I'm just speaking from my experiences, all of those things center around band, orchestra and choir. Um, and it's, it's just feeling more and more antiquated. Well, don't you think there's a piece of efficacy here, right? Because the people who are in college room, like college classrooms are so far removed from the public school classroom but they're even further removed than the kids who are who they're teaching to go into the classroom. So if that's what they knew and it's what worked for them in the system, and then they're teaching the people who are going to be teachers, why in the world would they change anything? Well, and I and I wholeheartedly agree with that. But then to that point, when that and I know we're just explaining the cycle. So then the people that get out and get into the workforce and teach it on the ground are the ones that are a product of that system. And I mean, we're coming at this from the younger side of our careers, but like, I, I don't, I don't know how many fundamental shifts and changes have happened over the course of education or how much it took to do them. But we're, we're talking about changing something that for all intents and purposes, people view as elective or something extra. And it's, it's one of those where, because to me, I, I see the gaps and what Maggie said in terms of art getting us through different things. I see more students this year, and I could even say before COVID, more than I've ever seen in the last two years have mental health issues or anxiety issues and different things they're struggling with. And whether it be opening up and confiding in people that they make music with or using music as a tool to cope with the different things, it is widespread that it's happening, but, and we say that that's a value and we say as an educational system that we want to grow children in that way. But when it comes to actually doing it, we're not massively making any change. It all comes down, in my opinion, to money, right? I mean, sorry. sorry to fun be, the crap hands. No, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but there are programs all over the place that purposely trim out students from their program because they don't have the staffing to handle it and the district won't give them extra staffing. So like there's a local program um, 
around me that their middle school, their elementary has this massive string program. The middle school teacher purposely weeds kids out. She's like this crazy middle school teacher and the kids she ends up sending to the high school are phenomenal. But if you can't keep up with her, you're like, you're done, you're out. And that's because they've got one person doing it. And if you can't get any more staff to handle those kids or nurture their education, then then you're done, right? Or like down in Texas, that, that's the same thing. They have so many kids involved in their performance-based um, ensembles that they literally can't handle it. So it's very much like put up or shut up, please, please leave, right? So if that was the case for a STEM program, I'd have to imagine that they'd throw money at it left and right, hire the staffing, find the rooms, get the resources. And I just don't think it's the same in the arts because we do, as a society, value the product. We value, we, we value those kinds of things as opposed to our mental health or our well-being, right? How many times do you hear like, well, just get over it or, um, you know, that's what they're going to have to do. And I know there's a piece of my personality that's like that too. Like, well, it's what we got to do. So we're just going to put our heads down and get it done. But I also think branding music education as necessary because of social emotional wellness is also a little dangerous because you don't want it to be seen as a therapy session either that's what it might be to some people but and and hopefully it is but for other people that's not that's not the case it's just enjoyable or they like doing it because they do like being in a practice room for hours or that sort of thing but Again, I think it's important to just like value music for music and not because it's helpful in some other way. It just, it is, it's a beauty. It's just what it is. I feel like I have a, oh, sorry, Kevin. No, go ahead because I have a follow-up to that, but you raised, you literally raised your hand earlier. So <laughs> go for it. Um, I feel like I have a unique experience from you guys in that I see every student in in my school. So you know, you guys are talking about like, you're already seeing this kind of narrowed population. Um, but, but I'm not, I'm seeing every kid. And so I, I try to do a good job of this, but I, you know, the last few episodes that we've recorded, I feel like I've been thinking about how I can do better at this, but like, how can I make sure that I'm reaching all of those students? Because when they leave me, it might be the last time that they have a music class. Like I might, by the time they get to you, they're filtered out. Like we talked about with Kevin Coyne, the, you know, you guys get 20% and you're working really hard to keep those, that 20%, but I have a hundred percent. So what can I do? And so I guess then the, my question is like, what, what is our goal then? Like, I, I don't want to be teaching them music because, because it improves their math or science scores. Um, and so like, can I, can I teach them how to listen better so that when, they listen to music outside of school, they have a way to connect to like the human part of them. Um, but then I don't know, something you just said, Marissa was, was we don't want to, to just do the same thing with like social emotional learning. And like, we're, we listen to music because it helps us through this. Like that's just doing the same thing. It's just so trendy right now, just like the right. was were. Yeah. So then I don't know. Then I guess, I, I guess like my, Kevin question is like, so what is the point of music? Like, how do we just enjoy music 
without any other strings attached. I don't know. It's just an interesting, interesting question. And I don't know how to do that with my students, but I want to explore that more, I guess. Maggie just said it, tried to say what I've been rambling around better than I said at any point before, uh, before then is that idea of she has that hundred percent. And when you talk about Marissa, when you have your conversation with the kids about like what you want to be when you grow up, like if you, if you want to go into something with science over the course of your three, four years in high school, whatever your program does, you have bio, you have chem, you have physics, you have all these things and you experience all these different angles and avenues that you do. Um, Whereas like, if I want to go into music production or music media or anything like that, there's very rarely offerings. So it's one of those that I just, I, I think what I'm, what I'm noticing the more we hit bumps in the road or challenges because of the way the world is in different ways, I'm seeing all of the gaps and that that's from an emotional standpoint, but that's really an education thing. If I'm being honest, not a music education thing. Um, and then just a gap in how we're preparing the students. So Maggie, for you as an example, since you were, you're, you majored in typing, um, typist or piano. Um, there's, <laughs> I had a student, uh, my first year at she graduated last year. So I guess it was my first year at the high school. Her name was Carly. She was a nationally recognized pianist. She went to school for piano performance. I had her my freshman year in band and she was a piano player in band. So she didn't quite feel like there was a spot for her. And she dropped out of the music program and she didn't want to just play piano when she accompanied the choir, which I don't blame her. So this kid got like a full ride to New York, plays in conservatories, had articles written about her and she's not involved in our program in any way, shape and form. And that's, to me, if I'm trying to find like the way to concisely say it, to me, when you have that high flyer, that because they don't play a brass instrument or a string instrument will not be a part of my program. And then because they don't play a brass instrument or a string instrument, I have my garage band kids that have been like writing music and have SoundCloud accounts for the last eight, nine years. and they're not a part of my program. What am I like, what, what are we doing wrong? Because it feels like I don't have this and I don't have this. So I'm just riding that middle line and doing what I can with it. And I know that the answer to this is a hundred percent. What Marissa said is money, because if I wanted to make an offering for every single person, I would have to go the money route and I can't afford that, but we're never going to find the magic answer. And I think part of it, at the end of March and music in our schools, the best thing we can do is look at the people that we've talked to, like Kevin coined, not me, or other people and look at the inventive ways they're doing it and ask ourselves, what are we gonna try and do better in the classes that we have or offerings that we have? So in an attempt to sum it up, if you had to pick one thing from the conversations we've had with people over the course of music in our schools, what's one thing that you think you're gonna try and take into your classroom and for lack of better of saying it, do better to improve where you see music now in the schools versus where it can be or should be? I think um, for me, like meeting the students where they're at and finding, finding ways to connect with their music more. I don't, I don't know who talked about it, but um, I just, I don't know. I've been doing this like little Beethoven unit. Just kids are really loving it, but I can't ask them to care about the music that I care about if I don't care about their music. And so I've just been trying to think about that. And I feel like that's 
one small way that we can try to connect with them more and sort of bridge the gap between this school music program and what's happening outside outside of the school building um i'm i don't have a concise answer for that i think one of the things and this isn't from music inner schools month but maggie and i presented at the nafme conference in like very late february and one of the things that really bothered me about that conference was how much of what was being presented was not practical information and so i've been trying to seek out very practical resources and information that can be used um, in the classroom but is based in research and it's shocking how difficult it is to find that so that's not necessarily a takeaway from someone we've talked to this month but just kind of in thinking about that because we what maggie it was the last day of february i think we we kind of presented on that but we also attended the nafme conference and um it's just really kind of jarring actually the disconnect between what we're teaching our teachers to teach <laughs> like it's I, I it, it's really mind-boggling once you kind of dive in to see what people are looking into in the collegiate education world that will never ever ever reach the minds of practicing teachers so I've just been trying to, like I said, find that practical research and find what I can use. But also, as I look to to my future in education, like what, how, how can I make a difference in that route as well? That's also one of the reasons I love F flat so much. Like I feel like the content that's published through F flat is often from practicing teachers, resources from practicing teachers. So it's you know, packs of information of like, here's what I used in my classroom, here's how I use it, and here's the material I use to to get it done. And if you want to contact me and have a conversation about it, here's my contact information. And I feel like that's something we try to do on this podcast. We bring on practicing teachers or practicing musicians, and we're hoping to bridge that gap a little bit more and get the information to the teachers, to the students, if they choose to go that route. Kevin, you said that it feels a little like pessimistic. Like we've just been talking about all the things that are wrong, like all the, all the places that we're not doing it right in education. But um, I think we've had on people that show us better ways to do it in music education. And so I, I think in our conversations, we've been able to find the gaps, but then say like, and here's how I've filled them in, or here's how, here's how I'm trying to, you know, overcome that in my own teaching or whatever. And so I think, um, I don't know, I think it's a helpful place to start to acknowledge all the things that we're doing wrong, but I think that we've been able to talk about how to do it better. No, I agree. And I feel like um, we have a principal that says all the time that he will gladly listen to any issue, any complaint, any problem that you have, but his caveat to it is he doesn't want you to sit down and just complain for 10 minutes. If you can give a complaint or say, this is what's wrong with, this is how I would fix it. Um, he's always willing to listen. And I think, I think you're, you're right. Like, I think the more we look at things, whether it be in our own classroom or in our district or however large you want to look, if we see the spots and the gaps that we have, um, if you can ask the question, how do you fix it? That's, that's a start. And I agree with what Marissa said too, that F flat has been an awesome place 
to start because the breadth of information there and the willingness, I feel like, of everyone that is publishing on F flat to have conversation and talk about it on your specific level is really refreshing too. Yeah. Is that a wrap? It feels like a wrap. Please leave this in as the end. Just like, <laughs> we're not real podcasters. We don't know what's going on. Are we done? <laughs> we need we need a sign-off. The podcasts I listen to have a sign-off. Yeah, what's their sign-off? I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, no. One of them that I listen to, they're just talking about how they need a sign-off. So just like this? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we're kind of like Anchorman, like, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. I don't know. Like, we did. <laughs> I kind of just wait until someone says thank you to the guest and then they say thank you and then I just kind of fade it out and fade the music in. Oh, well, we don't have a guest, so thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin <no>. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>